This is Camp Code, another innovative podcast brought to you by Camp Hacker. Camp Code is dedicated to helping you create and facilitate the most effective leadership training so we as an industry can raise the bar for professionalism and preparedness of our staff. You can find our show notes and our blog for camp leaders and directors at camphacker.tv. Welcome to Camp Codes, a podcast brought to you by Camp Hacker. We have created and are dedicated to this podcast because we believe that staff training is one of, if not the most important part of your job as a camp director. Staff training is what prepares your staff to care for their campers, to feel confident in their skills, to do their jobs to the best of their ability, and to learn along the way. A well thought out and intentional staff training will help you in more ways than you can imagine, and we need to help each other bring out our very best. I'm so excited to be joined by our two other co-hosts today, and we'll do some introductions before we dive into our topic. So Beth, you want to start us off? Absolutely. I'm Beth Allison. I'm co-owner of Camp Hacker and Go Camp Pro. I was an executive director for 15 years in Muskoka, Ontario, Canada, and I'm now a consultant, and my big passion is intentional leadership training. Awesome. Thanks, Beth. And Gabs. Well, my name is Gabrielle Rail, and I'm one of the camp directors at Camp Waro. And Camp Waro is an all-girls camp situated in the Laurentian Mountains in Quebec. And uh, we work on creating a positive female environment while doing that in French and English. Thanks, Gabs. And I'm Ruby Compton. I'm the Chief Exploration Officer for Ruby Outdoors. I'm a friend and supporter of camp in many ways uh, and do everything I can to support busy camp professionals and making their to-do lists a little bit shorter. <laughs> So today we are talking about adjusting to camp culture and Beth is going to share with us a little bit more about why we chose this topic today. After uh, debriefing our own summers and then hearing from other camp director friends, we really wanted to do a podcast focusing on some of the bigger concerns directors have had this past summer. And our last podcast dealt with a few very surprising things that we were shocked to learn staff didn't know how to do when they arrived at camp. But today we want to dive deeper and talk about the outside world, the outside world's culture these days and struggle, the struggles that staff may have fitting into the culture that we create in our own summer camps. Great, thanks. Uh, so we're going to go ahead and jump into our discussion, and today we're going to start off with a little bit of a discussion of what some of those challenges in the culture that is not camp, what some of those challenges are, and we'll share a few of those, and then we'll come back around and talk about some of the solutions and ideas and strategies, or maybe just lamenting, because we don't necessarily have all the answers, but we're going to do what we can to offer some guidance. So Beth, will you start us off today? Mm -hmm. um, I want to start off with the shift that we have in parents now doing everything for their grown children rather than staff learning to do it for themselves. So more and more each and every year we are seeing parents of 18, 19, 22 year olds contacting us with questions about contracts or asking for time off or telling us what their child is having issues with that particular week or with a staff member or with a camper rather than having the staff member contact us directly. So that's one of my big things. Awesome. Gabs, what's on your mind on this topic? For me, it's a, it has to do more with uh, connection and trying to help our staff members create connections with each other and um, their need to connect to cell phones. And how do we help them shift that connection from 
their cell phone, um, whether that's um, surfing online, inter um, Instagram or Snapchat or TikTok or whatever, to actually connecting to other people. And uh, how do camps go about that? Right on. And, you know, when we were talking uh, on our previous podcast, I had this moment where I realized, you know, we take phones away from our staff and uh, we also get upset with them when they don't know how to do stuff. But the reality of it is like, if I don't know how to do something, what is the first thing I do? I, I Google it. I look up YouTube. And so we are taking away this tool from them, um, which, you know, is, can be paralyzing for them. Uh, and I just had this moment where I was like, oh my gosh, that's one of the big conflicts. And we can't be so upset about how they can't doing anything <laughs> and how they don't know how to do stuff. Um, and, and yet, uh, they, uh, we also take away the one tool that like they know to turn to, to, to be able to solve the answers. So, and find answers. Um, so I'm going to talk a little bit today about a couple of the big things that I heard from camp directors this year. Uh, one is vaping. Um, and that's a habit that we're seeing more and more of. And I've heard a lot of camps had issues, not only with staff, but also with campers, uh, bringing vaping devices and, and how to deal with that. So we're going to talk a little bit about that and, and, and some ideas and suggestions. Uh, and then also just the language of emotion and this trend to be too cool for everything and disengagement um, and some of the applications that they see in the rest of the world and uh, how that applies at camp and how we can reprogram that a little bit. So uh, Beth, do you have some solutions for us? I just, yes, I do. Um, but I also want to uh, talk today about sleep habits. I think that's an important thing um, for residential camps. I think we've had mm -hmm. a, a big shift in that, um, particularly in the last decade. And the other thing I want to talk about um, is just that culture shift of moving from pretty much living alone, uh, sort of, um, you know, on your cell phones, not really having interaction constantly with other people. And when you're in the camp community, that's a whole new ball game. Um, people are really struggling um, to sort of figure that out when there are people around all the time. And so I think I'd like to dive into that a little bit too. Um, yeah. We so we'll go back to the first one that I talked about, which was uh, staff members' parents doing everything for them. So we hired counselors as young as 17, and because they weren't legal adults yet, we were able to send a letter to their parents or their guardians prior to the summer explaining our expectations of our staff members and asking. Uh, parents and parental figures for help in training them by getting them to contact us directly. We also used to hold a meeting for new parents on the opening day of staff training. So not just for campers, but we used to do it on staff training as well. So uh, oftentimes staff were, they didn't have a car for the summer, so they were dropped off at camp. They were, their parents were invited to stay for lunch. Um, we would play with them for a bit, which was always fun to watch their parents play games. And then we would have a meeting to explain to the parents without staff there, the differences between being a camper parent an LIT parent and now a staff parent uh, because we often grew most of our own staff. Share, um, we talked about how to share that we shared with them the time off that their child would have during the summer. So for 
particularly for kids, um, our staff members under 18, sometimes they wouldn't let their parents know they had a three-day weekend some point, um, and they would just go and, you know, off with friends and disappear, and then parents would call camp looking for them, and so I ran into that a few times. Um, we let parents know when they could contact or visit, and um, we answered any questions that they might have. And we explained to the parents all the layers of support that we had set up for our staff members. We shared a bit about the importance of training and what they would be learning during training. And parents were always amazed to know everything that their staff member was expected to know by the end of, of a training period. And basically what we did, we, we were there to lessen any of their concerns. And when we started to do this, our issues with staff and parents went way down. The tricky thing, of course, is that staff members of legal age are now also having parents do all these things for them and we can't really send stuff to their parents. So we tried to solve this by preparing a letter for these parental units, letting our staff members know of its existence once they were hired and sending it to the staff and asking them to pass along to their parents if they felt it could be helpful. And most staff members know if their parents tend to be the ones who get a little too involved. Um, so that helped a little bit. And then we were just also really consistent with our messaging, should we be contacted by parents or guardians when it should have been the staff member themselves. So we would thank the parent for their email or their phone call and explain to them um, very politely that we're hiring young people to look after other people's kids. So we're working really hard to get our staff members to be responsible and accountable for their own actions and their own needs and so on, and that we would very much appreciate the parents' help in this teaching. And if they could please have the staff member contact us directly, that would be wonderful. And we're so grateful for the parents' help in this process. So it tended to help a little bit, but I think it's going to continue to be an uphill struggle. Um, Ruby, do you want me to continue with the new thing or do you want me to wait till next round? Well, yeah, I wanted to see if Gabs, uh, do you have anything to add on to that? topic. I, I know one thing that I think of is, is um, I want to tell parents to teach their kids how to fill out tax forms because mm. I have talked to many camp directors who are like, oh, I always have so much trouble. <laughs> I, I found that color coding my tax forms worked really well as far as being able to say, okay, the purple form, look at that one. Just too <laughs> overwhelming with all the texts in the boxes and they don't know their social security number or whatever their ID number is. Um, but I think if we can give some actionables to the parents to say, hey, before camp, you could really help us out by teaching them about <laughs> yeah. tax forms or showing them how to do laundry or, you know, some of that stuff that we talked about last week. But Gabs, did you have anything to add on that one? No, I was just thinking about, <laughs> I was just thinking about the, the uh, you know, what do you do with a, a staff member that doesn't answer? And this year, I, we had to tell staff member we were going to hire her because she was just went you know, MIA. And, but we had heard from her friends that she was telling everybody that she was working at camp, but I, I was trying to get in touch with her. So I purposely called at 7am on their house phone um, <laughs> because she was a past camper. And then mom answered. And I said, just said, you know, we've been trying to get in touch with her. Is everything okay? Uh, we really need to have a conversation. So Mom helped out. That was very useful. <laughs> Within two and a half seconds, a staff member was on the phone, <laughs> half asleep, um, or not staff member to, to be precise, but it's, it's tough, right? It, it really is tough. And especially when you're, you're dealing with campers, uh, staff members that are, you know, they're not right in front of you and dealing with this behavior management, obviously when they're in front of you is so much easier. And then of course, 
parents that are meddling is so tough, but definitely the front-loading of parents is, uh, we started doing that. Our parents aren't, they don't live close like, like some other camps, but um, a lot of information and letters and letting them know, you know, that was also very helpful for us that I learned to do from Beth. <laughs> so Gabs, I know that uh, technology has been something that you all have worked on a lot in your, your camp culture at Camp Waro. Um, do you want to talk a little bit about some of the, the challenges that you feel like camp directors are facing and even some that you faced this summer? Yeah, I'll be transparent. We, we faced some issues this summer. I was, I was irritated by some of the cell phone usage. And I feel that every year people's relationships, or this is what I'm gathering, people's relationships to cell phones um, are shifting. Um, and so when I think we have it handled, then uh, again, camp teaches me a lesson. When I think I have it handled, it makes me humble <laughs> and <laughs> says, humbly, you do not know everything or you do not, this is not handled. We need to reevaluate. So I think with data coverage, that's just gone up so much more. Our camp now also cell phone is, e is easier to use um, cell phone, um, you know, whatever bars have gone up, et cetera, et cetera. I think for me, what did it for me, which was just something that was frustrating is that we're in the process of building this really gorgeous new building. And it's something that myself and my, my, it's a really father daughter project. So um, there's been some blood, sweat and yes, tears gone into that building. And, but it, and I had a vision and, and my main goal of camp is that people feel like this is, it's their own. I really want them to feel like it's not, it's something that they belong to and it's something that they also care for. And guess what? They do feel that way because they use the building the way I didn't want it to be used, which was a place where after, after all the kids were in bed, that's where they would go on their cell phones. And my biggest nightmare, and we have to have internet service in some parts of our camp because a big chunk of our staff members are from overseas. They don't obviously have data plans in Canada for them. And so Wi-Fi is really important for them to communicate with their families, et cetera, et cetera. So I was trying to figure out how do we utilize this lovely building that's not a becoming a cell phone hub. And that's what it looked like. And it wasn't completely, it's not, it's not at the worst case, but um, it was difficult. And so I had to come to terms that one, I do make people feel very comfortable so they can use, so they felt very comfortable doing what they're doing. Two, I was very explicit on what I wanted with this, this building, but it, it didn't evolve the way I had had it planned. And three, I was using sort of outdated, out of dated methods, and I was trying to apply it to the to how people could use their cell phones. And I don't want to take away cell phones; that's not how I like to run things. But one of the things uh, you, when when smoking was more prevalent um, about 15, 20 years ago, I remember staff members actually taking up smoking at camp. I remember they would come in as non-smokers. And then they would leave as a smoker. And it's not, it wasn't a huge percentage, but one person is enough for me to say that's, that's not acceptable. And so what we did was there was, of course, there was a smoking area. And what I, what I had said was, if you, if you were, that's where you can smoke, but in that space, you cannot speak. You can't talk. You can smoke. And when you're done, you can leave. And you can only stay if you have a cigarette in your hand as well. And I basically would for the first maybe eight or nine days, I had a leadership team member or myself that was very close by. And right when somebody started talking, I said, nope, there's no talking in that area. And well, 
I'll tell you, um, we did this for a couple of years and basically almost nobody ended up smoking. Maybe there's those one or two that were smokers and that was that. Now in Quebec, you're not allowed to smoke on, prop on property anymore. This is new for the past two years. And I find it funny because there's a lot of Quebec camp directors that, in, that smoke every once in a while. Um, so I'm wondering, they must be getting their steps in when they have to leave the camp property uh, to do so. So, so yeah, so we, we, so that solved that issue. And I thought, well, at camp, I was going to do the same thing. I created a cell phone table. Um, and in the evenings, people could go to that table. Um, but there was no talking. They could be on their cell phone. I mean, they could be on Instagram. They could text somebody. They could. And it just, there, it, was, it was being used. But I could just sense the uncomfortability of it all. It just didn't feel right. And it's something that I had imposed. And so what I realized was, though I had invited people into the conversation of how this, how we should be using cell phones, and now we have a, an, a space that there's internet. Though I had brought people into the conversation, I think when I brought them into the conversation, I was really just imposing my ideas and my views, and they were agreeing with me. So I recreated a mini committee during the summer. I put, I came in as an, not as an advisory person, but as a consultant in the sense of this is my vision and these are the reasons why I want you seven to have a conversation about what we should do. And I had somebody from each group. So our 17-year-old group, our, our um, international staff, our veteran staff, and somebody that I trusted to lead that conversation. And so they started implementing new guidelines and we had invited our staff in practicing these guidelines and giving us feedback, but they weren't to come to me there to go to that committee and actually that one of the people of that committee. And I did that not because I knew I could make a big shift because there was already sort of norms that I wasn't enjoying, but I did that. So most 90% so that I could set ourselves up for next year. So that committee stays intact, whether and unless they're not coming back, we'll put somebody else on it and uh, we will be using, um, that committee to talk about it because it wasn't just stuff at night for the first time ever I saw people with take out their cell phones in front of campers and that I had never experienced before. And I've definitely, of course, I've heard that from other camp directors, but I think that one of the things I dislike that turns me totally off from my job is policing. I hate it. I can't stand it. And it's what makes me want to quit. If I walk into a room and somebody shifts, like hides something into their bag because they're using it. That, that for me is, it's, it's, it's literally what's going to make me say, I don't know if I could be a camp director anymore. So if for me, it's a major issue because it hits me personally and it affects my enjoyment of camp and we have to have a certain amount of enjoyment because it's a tough job. Um, but if we, I know that this is one of my little, my pieces that are, is really difficult for me. So that's why this community is important. We're gonna talk about it. And the direction that it looks like it's going from the committee, not for me, is that we're gonna front load with our staff that, are, that we're hiring before they're hired, that there's gonna be a three day um, self like dry, um, no cell phone internet at the beginning, um, no internet, and that they're gonna tell their families. And it's to have that experience so that we can have the conversation afterwards. So this is where we're going. So I, I'm 100% have not figured it out. What I do know is that I, that, that cell phones and um, connection to the outside world is, is 
ever changing and uh, that we have to keep evolving. And the only way I know how to do that is to open the conversation with my team and make it something that they buy into instead of something that I'm telling them that they have to do. But I do know I'm, I'm, I won't be policing because that's not gonna, that won't work for me. That's great. And I think your point about sometimes what we do during a summer or during a season is, you know, maybe not so much about making big change that year, but setting yourself up for next year. That's, that applies in a lot of situations. I feel like that you can't always have this big pivot uh, and everything changes. It may just be, you need to start planting the seeds for what things are going to be like next year. Yeah. And I think that the, the re and I think that it was something that we had said maybe outside of a recording or in our past um, podcast, but the, the difference between the smoking piece and the cell phone piece where I had that idea with the table where people weren't going to talk while they're on their, their cell phones and they're texting friends, et cetera, et cetera. Um, was, was that smoking is, that's an act that you're doing. Um, but people's cell phones is an active connection. And what I was trying to do was you can have this type of connection, but you're not allowed to have other types of connections while you're on your phone. And that type of control that just doesn't make that type of rule doesn't make sense. And so it's that balance between allowing the, our staff to reach out to family members or friends or ease their anxiety. But especially in the beginning, it's so important that they, they go through that awkward and uncomfortable stage where they do connect with each other. And sometimes cell phones get in the way of that. So how do we figure that out? I'm hoping with this committee, we are going to figure that out. That's the, that's the goal that I've set to them is, is, is not to take away the cell phones, but it's to make sure that connection is going to happen within the team. Um, but, um, but I, I, you know, I, I think I'm, we're having more and more of an understanding at camp. We're trying to create connections. Cell phones do create connections, but they can also block them. So how, wh what does that relationship look like? And I think at every camp, it's different. Um, and I think that we're trying to figure out what does it mean to us? And when I know, I will let you know. And then when I do, <laughs> it'll probably change. <laughs> Stay tuned for future yeah. episodes because it's going to be great. Yeah. Awesome. Well, let's dive into vaping a little bit, kind of rolling off the, the smoking theme um, mm -hmm. because I think it took a lot of people by surprise. And I, I also think I have heard from some camps that said, you know, we, we made policies, we made it pretty clear, we left some wiggle room, understanding that there may be addictions that are happening and we can't just say, you know, zero, none ever, um, because that, that may just not be feasible for some of the folks here. So I would say first and foremost, the recommendation I would give you is to spend an hour doing some internet research and just read a little bit more about the variety of products that there are. Um, that, you know, there are tobacco-based products, there are hemp-based products, um, there are, there's lots of stuff and I'm not an expert in it either, but I think that there's a lot of confusion about when people are vaping, what are they doing? And so seriously spend an hour and I think you could get a lot, you may get more questions than answers, but I think it'll, it'll offer some more understanding of what's out there. Um, I also have to like on a, a personal note, I have a, a dear friend who is a director of a program here nearby and, uh, she learned that the CBD products, especially in the United States, are it's a pretty much an unregulated um, uh, industry. And so she had gotten some free samples from her husband's work and had used them. 
And um, it was things like creams and lip balms and, you know, nothing that she was actually taking. Um, and it was stuff with hemp oil. And uh, she ended up getting pulled for a drug test for her commercial driver's license and failed. And they were like, you have marijuana in your system. And she was like, I don't smoke marijuana, like at all, ever. And, uh, and it's legitimate. And it ended up being that she was like, well, you know, they told her there, there are not false positives. Like, is there anything else it could have been? And she put two and two together. And so there are amounts and concentrations that for all kinds of products. <laughs> so again, as this industry is changing and regulations are loosening, um, we need to make sure that you're getting educated on what's out there. And I think just bringing some of that awareness to your staff. And I think bringing in a healthcare professional is probably one strategy I would encourage for next year. Um, is there somebody who can come in and talk to your staff about what are the very real health effects that we're seeing uh, where there's a lot of mystery illnesses that are happening right now uh, that, have, that come into the news. Um, I have a really specific memory from when I was in first grade and one of the, my classmates, her father was a surgeon and he brought, he came in to do like a show and tell one day and he brought a plate and it had this like thing that you couldn't really identify. And he explained to us that this was a lung and this is what a healthy lung looks like. And then he pulled out another plate and it was black and it had stuff growing on it. And he was like, and this is somebody who smoked for a, a lot of time, right? And I, that image stuck with me from seven years old. And I was like, I will, I don't want any part of my body looking like that. And so I, it's a, it is totally a scare tactic. I'm not going to pretend like it's not, but I think that there's knowledge is power. And the more information that we can give to our staff and say, we're not going to just outlaw stuff. Like we want to give you information about making good, healthy decisions um, and give you good information too, because I think that's tricky too, is wading through the information that's out there. So that's something I would really encourage is, is reach out and see if you can find an expert, a health professional, someone who's seeing this, um, find a respiratory physician and see if they'll come in. And, and I bet, I bet somebody on your camp staff or in your camper population has a connection and may even be willing to help provide some resources. Um, I think that being said too, I think offering in your staff trainings going forward, just creating some space for emerging issues. Because if it's not vaping and it's not cell phones, it'll be something else that we may not be ready for. And so instead of always trying to be like, where are we going to fit in this conversation about vaping? Just go ahead and when you're planning your staff training, carve out an hour to talk about emerging issues because there's going to be something. And with an election coming up in the next year or so in the United States, that may be the something. <laughs> you know, there's just conversations that need to be had. Um, so get yourself educated, find some experts to help you on this, um, and then just keep talking about it. I think it's a, a, a question and a challenge that's, that again, we don't necessarily have all the answers, but I think that there are people out there who can help us navigate it and um, create the time to do so. It's worth it. And I think it's clear now too, especially with vaping and like, like, um, or drooling as some people call it. Like, I think it's clear now that this, this has an effect like cigarettes and most camps do have a no smoking policy or at least a smoke zone. So this, a lot of camps already have this in place. And I think that there was some ambiguity for a while about vaping. Is this okay? Is this less? So yeah. it sort of went under the, the radar. Also, it, they're, it, they're pure evil. The, we, we confiscated one from our, uh, one of our um, 
somebody, I will say uh, one of our somebodies at camp <laughs> this summer. And, um, and it, it smells, it, this one smelled like literally hubba bubba, like bubble gum from my childhood. Absolutely delicious. And I'm not saying there's like a little smoky after. No, it just straight up smelled like that. If you smelt the, the, the actual vape stick itself, it, that's what it smelled like. So it's, it's, it's pure evil, um, especially towards our kids and teens. But most people do have those um, um, policies in place. And so it's, and with the education that Ruby's talking about, you can also say that this, this goes into, but definitely the CBD oils and um, the sprays and the, you know, to relieve tension, that's, that's something that has to be talked about. And in Canada, um, marijuana has, was legalized at the beginning of the summer. And so how do you, um, you know, talk about that within your, if you're, if you are Canadian or in an area that it's, that marijuana is legal, how, how do you put that into your policies? I think it's key, key, key. <laughs> it's also tricky. And, and I actually think one of the ways that if you're feeling, um, feeling like a, like, can I just go walk into the hemp store and be like, I'm doing market research so I can talk about this. I think one way is to frame it as we need to educate our staff on what to look for, for our kids. Because I heard stories of not just staff members, but also campers, CITs, um, so I, I could see running a session where you're providing some education to your staff about these are some of the sneaky ways that people are vaping and using jewels. And so we need to make sure we're on the lookout for it. And I think you can create a little bit of that culture of like, oh my gosh, that's so crazy. And less of the culture of, oh, that's so cool. I'm going to try that too. Right. I think it'll answer some of those questions and get some of the dialogue open and again, open conversation like we talked about with technology. And if it were me, I would be trying to find someone who could come in and, and help me have some of that conversation. And we've often said on Cap Code that if you want to get a message to your staff, talk to them through, with, um, with campers in mind. So if you want, to, yes, you can talk to them about your own policies and procedures about vaping, but then you can go into a session about campers and how can, you know, what does, how can you tell if a kid's vaping? Where are the telltale signs? Yeah. That way you're putting a mess, you're putting them in the position of power and, and responsibility. And instead of, you know, so now it's their responsibility. I, I find that's always a really great way of getting that message across to them. Uh, we can be sneaky too. In a very manipulative <laughs> way, but yes, yes, yes. <laughs> no shame here. <laughs> Awesome. All right. Well, Beth, tell us a little bit more about how we can tackle some of these culture challenges. So I also think that it's important, particularly in Canada, or I think it's legal in California, maybe a couple of other states, I'm not sure, um, that you decide what your policy is on CBD oil. Uh, a lot of people are taking it to help them sleep or to help them when they're sore or stiff or, you know, have arthritis, whatever it happens to be. So um, you just want to check on all of those because um, the TC, THC levels in them will differ depending on what the oil is. And so therefore the effects of like some will get you high, some will not. But if you take it at bedtime, is that okay if you're in a residential setting? Will your staff member be able to be awake in the middle of the night if need be? Um, how will the effects be worn off by breakfast? Like you really have to do some research into that um, just to make sure that you're all on the same page. And that kind of leads into what I want to talk about is sleep. So 
sleep habits have become more of an issue, I think, for res camps in the last decade, certainly day camps as well. But of course, they're sleeping probably at home in their own bed. But I think that there is a correlation here with rising levels of stress and anxiety. But people come to camp with their own ways of getting to sleep and the times that they go to sleep. So if you're a day camp, I strongly encourage you to do a short session on the importance of sleep during training and you know, set the expectation that staff's to arrive every day at day camp with enough fuel in the tank to do the job for which they were hired. For res staff, I think front-loading what sleeping in a cabin with other people may be like, um, talking about how do you fall asleep with mosquitoes buzzing around your head, or what sleeping in the pitch dark may be like for some camps if you're in a tent and you don't, you know, you're used to having some sort of light. Um, if you have a no cell phone policy and they are used to falling asleep with earbuds in, what are you going to do about that and what options can you suggest? So here's where I would get your return staff to help you out um, and ask them to send you answers to these kinds of questions. So what did you do to get a good night's sleep at camp when you were here? Um, you know, open it up in a Google Doc or put it in Slack or whatever system um, is out there that works for you and get that information out there. And maybe even, um, and I know I say this often, but I think it's a great use of, of your staff's talent, time and technology, but record a few videos of your return staff, um, you know, sharing their ideas or explaining how hard it was at first um, to sleep at camp, but that this is how they handled it. Um, and just make sure that those little videos are warm enough, or sorry, that the little staff members are warm enough, are cool enough um, to help with sleeping. So if you need to purchase fans for the cabin, it's worth the investment. There's a conversation going on on Facebook right now in the Summer Camp Pros about putting air conditioning into cabins and you know, the director saying, I never thought I'd have to do this, but it's just getting too hot. So um, kind of think of ways to make sure that they're comfortable and give them plenty of time to go to sleep um, so that you're not running staff training till like midnight and then expecting them up again at six in the morning um, for a free swim or a polar bear dip or whatever. Um, and share with your staff why they need it. Um, at summer camp, particularly residential camp, things are usually pretty scheduled. Um, so for most camps, we eat meals at the same time, and this is when meals are available. Uh, we may have fruit available throughout the day for unscheduled snacks, but there's not usually just any kind of food that you want. Most camps also have set meals. Um, and so some camps offer, you know, this is the meal for lunch and, and this is what you get. I know that some will have PB and J and bread or faux PB and J uh, available, or they have soup of the day or salad bar or something else to sub supplement. But there are camps out there that don't. So for them, what's in front of you is what you eat. And it's not just our campers who can have issues with this is not how mom makes spaghetti sauce. So when we hire staff for camp, um, day camp and res, they need to understand before they accept the job that very likely they can't just eat whenever they want or whatever they want. Um, so I would again use tricks and tools of social media to get this message across long before training even starts so that they know what the meal times are. They know that they're expected to eat breakfast. Um, we used to talk with our staff about that. We would tell them that it sets a really good example for the kids and that they are gonna need fuel for the morning. If they think that a cup of coffee is gonna get them through until noon with a bunch of eight-year-olds, it's probably not. Um, you need to talk about the types of meals that you offer, the kind of food um, issues and concerns that you can accommodate. 
um, what they're permitted to bring of their own food. So, you know, does staff bring their own gluten-free bread or whatever it is? Um, and when they would be allowed to eat food that's not what's coming out of the kitchen. So, for example, one year I had a staff member who just really didn't like chili. And she wanted to bring her own food. She said she was, this was her way to solve it. And just eat it in the dining hall while the other kids were all eating chili. Um, and she was going to bring, I, I don't even remember what it was, but what is your policy on that? Is that okay? Um, decide ahead of time and share that with your staff prior to camp um, and let them know why this is your policy. Always, always explain the why um, and what they can do to supplement their own meals if they feel that they need to. So maybe you let them keep snacks in the staff lounge for time off, for example. Whatever that is, you kind of have to figure those things out and then make sure your staff knows before they even get there so that they're really well prepared. Beth, are you saying to front load? Is that what I'm saying? <laughs> I was trying not to use the word. Yeah, well, it's F word that we love, so. Yeah, I, and I think with the staffing crisis, be, and I will call it a crisis, the fact yeah. that we are having a harder and harder time filling our staff, that yeah. we are going to have, while we are gonna probably have more leaders that we are growing and raising at camp, I think we are also gonna see more and more people who are totally new to camp, and they don't even think to ask those questions. So. Right that's where I think you're really, really smart to, to focus on that idea. Awesome. Gabs, did you have more you wanted to share? Some other solutions or ideas? Yeah, I think um, I'll go back to the, to the cell phone things. Um, I'll, I'll share a little bit what I have done and what I've, I know other camps have done that have helped. And um, so for example, not for example, as Beth had, had suggested, obviously front loading. So what are your, what is your cell phone policy? Um, uh, what exceptions are available? I you know, need to apply for school or, you know, contact family member, et cetera, et cetera. So um, from the first day, staff members know within our camp that um, every, everybody arrives at a, around a certain time. But after dinner, we explain all the rules and regulations. And the next morning, that's when cell phones must stay in, in people's cabins. And they practice that. We have watches even though we tell people to bring watches, we already have watches there just in case so that they, they can feel it's the comfort of um, time. Um, and um, so just front loading when you can use those cell phones and asking people, especially international staff members for contacting home, is this working? Um, have, do you have a plan in the sense with your family when you can contact them? So figuring those pieces out. The other thing that uh, we shifted to in the last couple of weeks of camp when I was talking to my committee um, was getting some inexpensive iPods uh, so that for some of, the, some of the staff members could use their computers for music, for drama or dance, et cetera. But instead of them having such you know, a large item, sometimes they would like to just use their cell phone. And that's where some of the rules started shifting and I would see it and I would allow it. And this is where some of the spillover did happen because um, I allowed it for some people because they didn't want to bring their laptop. So we just, I pur we purchased a couple of iPods. Um, we used it, we thought it was hilarious. They think it's hilarious, but it was just some of the little things that we did. So getting, investing in some equipment so that they don't have to use their own equipment. Um, then they won't be tempted to um, like an Insta feed or answer um, an ex who's been uh, texting incessantly. So, uh, so uh, having those little pieces uh, to put in and then as, and, um, and as I said, talking to your staff members about it and seeing what's working, what's not working. 
But um, those are a couple of little things that I've done and also other camps have done. I also know of a camp that has a zero uh, policy for, for cell phones. The camp is um, five days a week and then staff have a part of the weekend off and so they can have their cell phones on the weekend. And if there's knowledge of somebody having their cell phone where it's not supposed to be there, there's, there's a no zero tolerance. So they're fired immediately. And that's that. And that's a policy that was put in place because it was uh, cell phones were taking over the care of taking, replacing the care of kids. And that's one of the, and, and now it's, and everybody that goes to that camp has a buy-in and understands it and knows that that's what's, what's happening. So I think it's what works for you, but those are just a couple of tips and tricks and policies that I've heard of um, that seem to be working. Yeah, I've seen a lot more camp iPods in a lot, couple of camps I had interactions with this summer. Yeah. Like, I get to go load up the camp iPod now. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah exactly. Job. <laughs> yeah. That's awesome. Cool. Um, well, I, I want to talk just a little bit about um, emotion and engagement. And I just finished reading Brene Brown's Daring Greatly. And um, she talked about how a thing that she is really concerned about seeing is this kind of like too cool for school and disengagement being the thing, uh, which I think anybody who's dealt with teenagers ever in their life in the last, you know, history of humans has probably seen that, but that we're seeing that disengagement be much more common. Um, so like, for instance, one of the ways I saw this play out was, was working at a restaurant and seeing how many people just constantly complained about their job constantly and there was a part of me that just wanted to look at them and be like you don't have to be here <laughs> you know and yeah they need the money but like if you hate it that much you can go but that's actually not a message that all workplaces are saying and so i think we have to recognize that that you may have complainers because they're used to complaining or they're used to being in a space where it's not cool to be into your job and so um, that's going to feel super weird when they, that person walks into camp the first time and everybody's like happy and likes what they do. Like there's going to be some adjustment there. So plan for that. Um, I, I also, I think about this movie that has Christian Bale in it. It's called Equilibrium. It's kind of awful. Uh, but if you've ever seen it, it's, I did not enjoy the experience of watching it, but it, it uh, is about a world with no emotion. And of course, Christian Bale like has this encounter with a dog and then he wants to have emotion and whatever. Um, but it, it, I think is an interesting like post-apocalyptic display of what could potentially happen if we get to this place where we don't know how to express emotion or emotion just gets kind of wiped out. I feel like you see that in a lot of these like post-apocalyptic, you know, stories with I think about The Giver uh, and this movie, Equilibrium. And so we've talked about this before too as well, giving your staff that language of emotion and uh, helping them learn and articulate what they're feeling and that it's okay to feel this stuff and you're gonna have a range of emotions and it's not gonna be all happy and fantastic all summer. Um, because I would say a lot of their jobs are telling them that's not the case. <laughs> and I think really validating uh, when there are negative emotions, that there are healthy ways to deal with it. Um, that I think we all understand that social media at this point is just a highlight reel and it's not the, the full gamut of the human experience and camp really does give us the opportunity to live in community and have these really impactful experiences to facilitate those impactful experiences with other people um, and to have some space to process it, you know. 
uh, gosh, if I could just build in rest hour every day to my life, like, yes, please. <laughs> so I think that there's some really healthy habits that we're doing at camp. We have to understand that they are really, really different from the messages that uh, the, the rest of the world is offering. I think one other piece that I, I just want to mention briefly um, is understanding that we come from a world now where gathering places are not a safe place. Um, if you think about a lot of, and I'm talking specifically about gun violence, but you know, terrorism and, and all those kind of big, big things that there's, it seems like today there are no places that are safe. So cut your staff some slack when they may seem a little uncomfortable when all 600 of your kids or whatever, however big or small your group is, are gathered together because we are more and more getting this message that gathering with a group of people is not a safe place to be. So how are you gonna show your staff this summer that it is safe to come together as a group that we, and like we are talking about physical basic needs safety, like you are going to come out of this summer relatively unscathed. <laughs> you may have some scabs and some scars and some souvenirs, but this is actually one of the safest places you can be this summer. And I, I think we tend to take it for granted because we're so used to the safeness of camp with all the risks that it brings. Um, sure, but it's, it's a different kind of risk from what we're seeing in the rest of the world. So um, just wanted to offer that little tidbit to consider as well. Anything else to add, uh, Gabs or Beth? Um, I just want to talk a bit about the biggest culture shift staff have to deal with these days, in my humble opinion. Um, I think it's just, uh, it's a lot of what you're talking about, Ruby, but it's also just dealing uh, with a community where they actually are dealing with people face to face all day long. Um, and sometimes 24 seven, where there's very little chance to have alone time or any privacy, um, especially for those in residential settings where they don't go home at the end of the day, or even for some summer camps, they don't go home on weekends, like they're on an island and they're stuck. Um, and they're spending a whole lot of time without their devices. And they're trying to learn how to entertain themselves and relax without technology or Wi-Fi. They're having, a, they're having to solve problems by communicating in person. Ruby talked about not having like Google at their fingertips maybe. Uh, they're talking, they're, they're learning to talk about their feelings. Again, Ruby was talking about that, about their stresses, their concerns, about becoming part of a much larger family. And for most of us, this is of course what we discover that we love most about camp is that community of people who become closer to us than just about anybody else, um, who live through the best and sometimes the worst of our struggles, um, who see us at our best and our most vulnerable, but are but are who are there to support us and encourage us and to love us for who we are. But I think it can be a really overwhelming experience to be dropped into this environment um, if you've never sort of experienced it before, and we're doing people a disservice by not talking about it ahead of time, during training, and of course throughout the summer. Learning to live in community needs to be celebrated every day, so sharing out loud all the good things that have happened that day, and issues need to be addressed. What's not working? How we can make it better? What are your ideas to contribute to solutions? So during the school year, maybe you could make some fun top 10 lists about working or living at camp. So you could do things like the top 10 reasons why you will never want to leave, or the top 10 reasons why you're gonna find this a bit of an adjustment. 
or maybe like the top 10 people you can go to for help when you're feeling stressed about living in community. So the more education that you do now with your staff, and I'm talking right now, like let's start in September, about what they might and will experience, the better off everybody's going to be. And I don't want you to feel like you have to do this alone. Um, you have staff out there who eat, sleep, and breathe summer camp all year long, even if they're in school right now, or if they're working right now and they're not at camp, that they would love a little side project to help train future staff. You just want to be sure, of course, to front load your expectations with these people of that project. Have them send you what they're going to create so that you can send it out to people so that it comes from you. Of course, you're giving credit to the appropriate people who made the video, but you want it to come through you first. Um, maybe you know just the right people on your staff who would be awesome at answering questions about camp life and camp culture and who would give your new people the kinds of answers you would want them to hear. Um, so set those people up as your caretakers or whatever title you want to give them uh, and let them work together to help your new staff adjust to camp culture. And of course, you want to make sure that you let your staff know who they're supposed to talk to if they have any issues with any of camp's daily schedule or routines or rituals. They will feel better knowing that you've already thought about how to best support them. And you'll feel better by knowing that they won't just be calling their parents <laughs> or whining to friends or annoying your cook or whatever it is. Like it's all come through you so you know how that's going. So, of course, front load, front load, front load. Here's the deal. Um, I read this great quote the other day and it said that only three things happen naturally in an organization. Friction, confusion, and underperformance. Everything else requires leadership. So this culture shift from the outside world to the camp world requires our leadership to help them navigate what may be new or strange or difficult to them and then help them find their footing. So that's, I think that's all I have to say about that. That's so <laughs> good. That's such a great insight. Thanks for sharing that, Beth. I think we are at the time. Gabs, will you recap this episode? It's a big one. This is a heavy, heavy <laughs> episode. Um, and I'll front load. I think part of what uh, Beth's, um, what she just talked about could be a TED talk. So in part, I won't recap that, just see Ted's future, uh, best future TED talk um, <laughs> to get more detail on that. So basically, parents too involved, well, why don't you front load with them and also open up about the support you're already going to be giving their child. Uh, Beth tried not to say the word front load. However, <laughs> Ruby reminded her that during sleep and food, that would be a good time to use the word front load and tell your staff that this is how it works at our camp. Um, are you ready for, for that connection? Connection at camp is important. Connections to cell phones are complicated. How will your camp deal with it? There's many tips and tricks that we listed today. I'm sure there's many, many more, but most importantly, what do you want? Is that realistic? And probably talk to your staff so that you can come with values that are aligned. Um, vaping is darn right evil. Uh, they are targeting our children and it is a uh, international crisis. Uh, so make sure that you're ed educating your staff, uh, educate your staff on how they can also support and spot campers perhaps that are vaping. And one of my favorite things that Ruby talked about was leave space for emerging issues because that's what we're mm. talking about. Creating that space that will always have to address things, adjust 
um, leave space for that conversations to happen. Um, and uh, last but not least, too cool for school. Hey, kids, don't be a fool. Feelings are cool. So um, <laughs> thank you so much for this. Is That's the recap of the recaps. And I love the idea Ruby when you said leave space during training I think if that became um, tradition if that was something that every year your staff knew there would be a space where they could talk about emerging issues that you might learn stuff too they might yeah. bring things to you that they're like hey did you know kids are doing this today in yeah. today's day and age and we didn't know that yeah. so I think making that an expectation of we always do this. We think it's important to be up to date and to know what's out there so we can help our kids make the best decisions possible for their lives um, and to be healthy. That I think um, if you have that expectation, they will bring stuff to you as well. Yeah, you can just watch Fortnite dances. That could have been yeah. what went in that space this year. I don't know. That was that was an I, education when that came up for me. I didn't. I didn't have a, a chance to to read this out uh, out loud um, in this podcast. But Joe Richards, who I, I podcast with in Camp Hacker, has been working for the better of the past ten years to upload documents on um, archive.org of the Canadian Camp Association, and he pointed me in that direction because. A number of our past camp directors from Waro uh, had articles in the Canadian Camp Association magazine. And I read one, I think it was in 1950 something. I'll see if, if we can get this posted um, in our show notes. But it was from our past uh, uh, camp director, Joyce Bertram. And um, I think the title was, What Are We Thinking? And, um, and she starts with, I, camp is, is still young and new, about 50 years or so old, not, and we are looking at how we're already losing our roots, how dirt paths have become paved paths, how <laughs> beaches and bogs are now boarded up with logs and even, dare I say, bricks. What's next? <laughs> Electricity in the cabins? Blah, blah, blah. Will children no longer hear the rain tap on the tents? And, and so it goes on like this. And I think that we have, um, it's, it's nerve wracking as, as, as society shifts and et cetera, et cetera. And her anxiety is a, an anxiety that so many camp directors have. We want our campers and our staff members to be connected to nature, to be connected to each other. And these outside cultural shifts sometimes threaten that. And I think um, the importance is having that conversation with your community and making sure that we're, we're, and you know, the air conditioning, you know, uh, I think Joyce Bertram did great work uh, back in the day, but um, our climate is shifting. Our society is shifting. Um, it is warmer. It is scary. Um, our kids are shifting. So camps have, what, what camps do best is support our children and our staff members um, in this shift. That's what we do best. So, um, and, and we help them to learn how to uh, rely on each other during these shifting times. So um, just know that <laughs> back in 54, there was a huge <laughs> panic about the technologies <laughs> that were, oh, the, my favorite was at, at night, instead of hearing the owl hoot, you hear the record player playing that rock and roll. <laughs> <laughs> Evil record players. <laughs> so there we go. <laughs> it's a nice perspective yeah. uh, to bring into this conversation. Yeah. 
And we'd love to bring you all in this conversation as well. And we invite you to get involved with the podcast. So you can join us on social media using that hashtag camp code and tell us what topics you'd like for us to discuss, any guests that you'd recommend that we talk to, any great leadership training tips that you want to share. We would love to hear from you. We're all about sharing in this industry. It's what makes camp so great. Also, if you have found this podcast to be useful, please leave us a rating and review on iTunes or wherever you listen to your podcast. Uh, for iTunes, you can do a quick link from the Camp Hacker website, camphacker.tv slash cc underscore iTunes. Or you can also tweet your love of the show by going to camphacker.tv slash campcodelove. And your feedback really helps keep our show going and helps other people discover the knowledge that is here. So before we finish up with our last routine of our show, we want you to let, we want to let you know how you can be in touch with us. Uh, so Beth, how can people be in touch if they want to chat with you further? My email is beth at gocamp.pro. Our website, of course, is gocamp.pro. And I'm on Twitter at hashtag topazfay, F-A-E. Nice. And Gabrielle? Um, you can check out my Instagram feed at Gabrielle Rail or DML, uh, DM me there. You can also check out where I work at uh, waro.com. And you can email me ruby at rubyoutdoors.com. I'm also on Instagram at rubyoutdoors and on Twitter at rubylin85. And Beth is going to tell us about our next podcast. So if you listen to these in order, you're probably going to find that season uh, seven, episodes one, two, and three kind of flow into each other. Uh, we're going to be talking about training the indoor generation. I am so excited about that. Same. All right. Well, uh, our final segment on each podcast is a best practice for leadership training. And we would love to hear some of your most memorable moments or most effective tips. And again, you can tell us what they are by sending any of us an email or using that hashtag camp code. And Beth has this week's best practice. So as you've heard us say many times, and I have no doubt you have said it to yourselves and to your staff, one of our, the biggest obstacles that we face as camp directors today is that ever-growing need to have our cell phones with us at all times, and not just our staff, us too. And I think we've all struggled with how to figure out how we either incorporate them or rule them out or find some sort of balance. So I have an idea to kind of get your staff more on board with the whole discussion. So gather them all together uh, at your very first opportunity. So if you have a staff orientation weekend in the spring, for example, that would be a great time. If you don't get together before training starts near the summer, maybe do this near the beginning of your training. Get yourself a whole bunch of flip chart paper and a bunch of colored markers all ready go and prep say five categories of things in our lives that bring us joy so maybe the first category might be mm, the last time you laughed with a friend until you cried or a category could be a moment of awe and wonder that literally caught your breath or a favorite memory that you have with a grandparent figure whatever categories you want. Get your staff into concentric circles. So one circle on the outside facing in, one on the inside facing out, so everybody's got a partner. And then ask them to share their answer to the very first category with the person that they're currently facing. And after you give them some time, maybe you know a total of three minutes, and you tell them ahead of time how much time they're gonna have so everybody has a chance to talk, um, ask the outside circle to maybe move like three people to the right, 
and everybody's got a new partner, ask them to share their answers to your second category that you're going to give them. Then keep moving the partners every time and get them to answer all five with different people. So you've also let them get to know each other a little bit better and have an opportunity talking face to face. But when you're all done, get them just to sit down together and ask for volunteers to share an answer a partner gave that really spoke to them. So this is a way of sharing that also lets staff members know that they were actually listened to. Um, so it's a, a, a nice way to debrief, but make a big list on your flip chart paper of all the answers that they share with you. And now as you have them looking at all these amazing memories and moments that are now on the wall, ask them how many of them took place because of a cell phone. Let them understand that you know how important technology is, that even you have issues giving up your cell phone for a while. But at camp, I'm willing to bet when you asked how many of those memories and magical moments happened on a cell phone, you're gonna get you know, a big fat zero. Um, so talking to them about the fact that we are here to focus on these moments, on the flip chart paper moments, and to make hundreds of new ones this coming summer and add to that list, that's our goal. And this should then lead you into a discussion with them about how difficult it is for some people to let go of their phones um, and what difficulties they may um, encounter because of that. Like, what are they missing out on? What do they feel like they're missing out on? And ask them then what their thoughts are on it and what we can do to support this move together to living in the pr present and creating new and amazing memories. So for me, always getting them involved, as Gab said, she has her committee, she's talking with them about it, but having them share their ideas and thoughts will always make for better buy-in and will help you all to stick to what you decide is most important. So just a way to kind of broach that topic and um, get them thinking about the fact that we don't usually make these life-changing memories on a cell phone. Thanks so much, Beth. And we want to say thank you to all of you all for uh, joining us today. Stay tuned for our next episode. And from all of us here at Camp Code, thanks for the listening, friends. Please remember, no other industry shares its best practices the way summer camps do. If you use an idea heard on a Camp Hacker podcast, please be professional and give credit where credit is due. The Camp Code is brought to you by Beth and Travis Allison summer camp leadership training and marketing consultants. Thanks for the listening, friends. Camp Hacker, bringing your world into focus.